the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Today we're doing something a little different. We'll start out with uh, some of the headline news as we uh, always do, but we're going to spend the second hour of the program sharing with you from the Christian Outlook, and I'll explain that in just a little bit. Well, we're glad to have you with you. Have you with us? I'm glad to be here. I'm anyway. I'm glad about a lot of things. Uh, today's program is being engineered and produced by James Blend. So this is a uh, this is a bit different. So uh, we'll do the best that we can. Well, first, taking a look at some of the headlines in an exclusive interview, Attorney General William Barr explained that he's trying to get to the bottom of whether or not government officials abuse their power and put their thumb on a scale during the early stages of the Russia probe. He says, and I'm quoting, I've been trying to get answers to the questions and I found that a lot of the answers have been inadequate and some of the explanations I've gotten don't hang together. In a sense, I have more questions today than when I first started. He was speaking to Bill Himmer on Fox News in an interview uh, that is set to air today uh, on America's newsroom. Himmer conducted the interview with the attorney general in El Salvador, where he's going to be addressing the crisis on the U.S.-Mexico border, MS-13, drug trafficking and human trafficking with officials. And New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio announced Thursday that he will seek the Democratic nomination for president in 2020, becoming the 23rd Democrat to officially announce a bid for the White House and the second this week following Montana Governor Steve Bullock's announcement on Tuesday. Now, one New York newspaper suggested that he is the um, uh, Ferris Bueller of (laughs) of the presidential uh, candidates. De Blasio, de Blasio, de Blasio. Anyway, de Blasio took uh, direct aim at the president, calling him a bully, adding that I know how to take him on. Still, even Uh, De Blasio's hometown wasn't impressed. A recent Quinnipiac University poll found that 76 percent of New York City voters said they believed de Blasio shouldn't run and gave the mayor an anemic 42 to 44 percent job approval rating. In an editorial, the New York Post called de Blasio's candidacy a complete farce and gave reasons why uh, Democrats across America shouldn't waste time or money on this guy. And Trump called de Blasio the worst mayor in the U.S., and the uh, blastathon on de Blasio will likely go on and on. In other news, President Trump on Thursday unveiled a long-awaited immigration overhaul that would dramatically alter how the U.S. accepts people into the country, upending the system in order to favor admissions based on merit rather than family ties. The proposal would judge immigrants with a points-based system that would favor high-skilled workers, accounting for age, English proficiency, education, and whether the applicant has a well-paying job offer. Representative Ilhan uh, Omar warned uh, that Trump's uh, plan would have a devastating effect on millions of peoples and people rather and renewed her call to abolish ICE, the Federal Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency. Laura Ingram said on the Ingram um, angle on Thursday that the plan makes sense for America. 
You can decide for yourselves. Well, the Trump administration is withdrawing nearly a billion dollars in federal money for California's high-speed rail project. The Federal Railroad Administration announced Thursday it will not give California the money it was originally promised, saying the state repeatedly failed to comply with the terms of its grant, failed to make reasonable uh, progress on the project, and abandoned its original vision for a train connecting Los Angeles to San Francisco. The administration will also be seeking to recover an additional $2.5 billion in fund from funds rather from the state that were allocated to the project through the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act, a move that the California Rail Authority pleaded against in March. Well, the series finale of the Game of Thrones, and quite frankly, I'll be glad when it's all over. I don't watch it, and I'm kind of tired of hearing about it. will air on HBO this Sunday. And the Game of Thrones fans, enamored and disgruntled alike, will likely give the cable channel uh, blockbuster, perhaps record-setting ratings. Besides the fate of several of the characters, uh, there are other questions that will need to be answered. Will more Starbucks cups or other... Um, Game of Thrones editing blunders be noticed by eagle-eyed fans? Will any more NFL quarterbacks make cameo appearances? Will even more viewers join the 350,000-plus disgruntled faithful who've signed a petition demanding that HBO remake the final season with competent writers? Ouch. And a Dallas man previously arrested in the death of an 81-year-old woman has been charged with killing at least 11 more elderly women whose jewelry and other valuables he stole, according to authorities. Um, The Kenyan citizen who was living in the U.S. illegally now faces charges. And the um, Trump administration is looking to hire a private contractor that will be responsible for transporting approximately 225,000 migrant children and families to shelters across the country over the next five years as they wait for their asylum claims to be processed. President Trump says he hopes the U.S. is not on a path to war with Iran amid fears that his two most hawkish advisors could be angling for such a conflict with the Islamic Republic. We'll certainly continue to keep our eyes focused on events there. And the College Board, which oversees the SAT exam used by most U.S. colleges during the admissions process, plans to introduce an ad- adversity score, which takes into consideration the social and economic background of every student. Facebook blocked Trump 2020 campaign advisory board member Jenna Ellis Reeves from sharing a screenshot of a tweet by citing hate speech. But Reeves believes that this is part of a deliberate attempt to censor conservative commentary until it is no longer timely. And a federal judge has ordered portions of special counsel Robert Mueller's report to be unredacted and made public in the criminal case against former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. U.S. District Judge Emmett Sullivan issued the limited order on Thursday. Portions of the report relating to Flynn are redacted and could be made public under that order, which uh, Barr has been arguing is in violation of the law. Well, on this day in 2017, Private Chelsea Manning, the soldier who was sentenced to 35 years in military prison for giving classified materials to WikiLeaks, walks free after serving seven years behind bars. His sentence having been commuted by President Obama that January 2017. And on this day in 1792, the New York Stock Exchange has its beginnings as a group of brokers met under a tree on Wall Street and signed the Buttonwood Agreement. On this day in 1954, a unanimous U.S. Supreme Court hands down a uh, Brown versus Board of Education of Topeka decision, 
which held that racially segregated public schools were inherently unequal and therefore unconstitutional. On this day in 1973, a special committee convened by the U.S. Senate begins its televised hearings into the Watergate scandal. And in 1996, on this day, President Bill Clinton signs Megan's Law. It's a measure requiring neighborhood notification when sex offenders move in. Megan's Law is named after Megan Kanka, the seven-year-old New Jersey girl who was assaulted and murdered in 1994. And finally, on this day in 2017, the Justice Department appoints former FBI um, Director Robert Mueller as a special counsel to oversee a federal investigation into potential collusion between Russia and the 2016 Donald Trump campaign. It wasn't until 2019 that that report was completed and made public. The uh, House has passed the uh, equal, the so-called Equality Act 236 to 173, misnamed, uh, w- with uh, eight Republicans voting in favor, no Democrats voting against. The eight Republicans are Susan Brooks, Brian Fitzpatrick, Elise uh, Stefanik, Greg Walden from Oregon, John Katko, um, Mario Diaz-Balart, uh, Tom Reed, and Will Hurd. Uh, those were the um, eight Republicans who voted in favor of, um, although, yeah, anyway, that's very disappointing. H.R. 5 uh, takes the unprecedented step of eliminating the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993 as a claim or defense to the application of many federal laws. The bill drastically alters religious freedom in all cases, not just those involving LGBT issues. It elevates LGBT to the same level as race and federalizes abortion and abortion funding. The bill now goes to the Senate as Senate Bill 788. This Equality Act extends federal protections to include sexual orientation, gender identity, and pregnancy, i.e. abortion. H.R. 5 applies to employment, housing, rental, public accommodation, and more. In addition, the terms sexual orientation and gender identity would be defined to mean pregnancy, childbirth, or related medical condition. In other words, under the terms of this bill, pregnancy, childbirth, or a related medical condition shall not receive less favorable treatment than other physical conditions. In other words, um, abortion would be considered on par with everything else. The Equality Act also expands the definition of public accommodations to include places or establishments that provide exhibitions, recreation, exercise, amusements, gatherings or displays, goods, services or programs and transportation services. The Equality Act, having passed the House, now makes his way to the Senate in the form of um, Senate bill. Oh, I just mentioned the number 788. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Back in a moment. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show on a Friday afternoon. We're going to switch to some of the lighter news of the day. We'll also share with you the Christian outlook in the second hour of today's program. Of the Equality Act, which passed in the House uh, this week, Family Research Council President Tony Perkins issued a statement after its uh, passage in the uh, House. This is an all-out assault on parental rights, on the family, and on millions of people of faith in this country. The legislation goes far beyond just quarantining faith behind the four walls of a house of worship. This act quarantines faith within your mind and says that uh, that's where it must stay. It creates a world that punishes those who exercise their freedom to believe and live according to their beliefs. No institution or person of faith, be it a school, a church, a synagogue, mosque, business, or nonprofit, will escape its Orwellian reach. I think that's an important point to emphasize. No institution or person of faith 
be it a school, a Christian school, a church, a synagogue, a mosque, a business, a nonprofit will escape its Orwellian reach. He goes on to write, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act will be committed to the memory whole. Uh, We will then experience a catastrophic loss of religious freedom in America. And as a result, every American, those who believe and do not believe, will suffer the consequences. The American people must continue to speak with great force and clarity in opposition to the Inequality Act. Uh, Perkins went on to say, and again, this makes its way now to the Senate. One would assume it's less likely to pass there, but it's not safe to assume anything at this point. Well, Attorney General Bill Barr, in an exclusive interview, uh, revealed that the recent announced, uh, recently announced review of the origins of the Russia probe will focus in part on a controversial briefing that intelligence officials gave the president shortly before he took office in 2017. He told Bill Hemmer in that interview aired on Friday, sometime today, several times, I imagine, that one portion of the uh, review, which he has uh, tapped U.S. Attorney uh, John Durham to lead, would cover the time period between Election Day and Inauguration Day, saying some very strange developments took place during that time. Barr specifically was referring to the early January 2017 briefing intelligence officials gave then-President-elect Trump at Trump Tower and the leaking of information subsequent to that meeting. At the meeting, Trump was briefed by intelligence and law enforcement officials on Russian election meddling and was also informed by former FBI Director James Comey about the now infamous anti-Trump dossier, which included salacious allegations against him. Details later leaked to the press. That's one of the things we need to look at, Barr said in this uh, interview. Earlier in the week, former FBI general counsel James Baker said he and other officials were quite worried that it could look like Comey was trying to blackmail Trump when he first told him about the allegations in the dossier. Baker, on an episode of Yahoo News podcast, Skullduggery said that analogies were made to J. Edgar Hoover, the former FBI director who famously abused his power to blackmail individuals. We were quite worried about the Hoover analogies and we were determined not to have such a disaster happen on our watch, Baker said, hoping to convey that incoming president um, to the incoming president that they did not want to continue the legacy of Hoover's blackmailing. Baker did not recall the moment he first heard about the Steele dossier, but remembered the bureau taking it seriously and said they were obligated to deal with it and determined whether anything about it was true, but insisted they didn't um, accept it as gospel. He did, however, believe Trump had to be briefed on the dossier because it was about to be disclosed to the press. As for the dossier itself, Barr said he's not sure what role it played, but it... uh, is part of the review. It is a very unusual situation to have opposition research like that, essentially uh, one that on its face had a number of clear mistakes and in a somewhat jejun uh, analysis, Barr said, and to to use that, uh, take it to conduct counterintelligence against an American political campaign uh, is a strange, uh, would be a strange development. With special counsel Robert Mueller's report now complete, the attorney general has opened a new phase by pursuing a formal review into the conduct of the original investigation. Earlier this week, it was revealed that Barr had appointed Durham, the U.S. attorney from Connecticut, to lead that investigation to cover all intelligence collection activities related to the Trump campaign during the 2016 presidential election and any misconduct during the early stages of the FBI's original Russia probe. He's expected to focus on the period before November 7th, 2016, including the use of FBI informants, as well as alleged improper issuance of Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act warrants. A source also says that um, Barr is working 
um, collaboratively on Durham's investigation with FBI Director Chris Wray, CIA Director Gina Haspel, and Director of National Intelligence Dan Coates. Durham is also working with Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horowitz, who is currently reviewing allegations of FISA abuses and the role of FBI informants during the early stages of the investigation. The first step is to find out exactly what happened, and we're trying to get our arms around that, getting all the relevant information from the various agencies and starting to talk to some of the people that have information, Barr said in that interview. And while the decision to look back at the origins of the investigation has prompted harsh criticism from Democrats, who previously had accused him of acting as the president's lawyer, Barr argued there's much yet to learn. I think there's a misconception out there uh, that we have a lot of, uh, that we know a lot about what happened. The fact of the matter is Bob Mueller did not look at the government's activities. He was looking at whether or not the Trump campaign had conspired with Russians, but he was not going back and looking at the counterintelligence program. And we have a number of investigations underway that touch upon that. The main one being the Office of Inspector General that's looking at the FISA warrants. So investigations continue, this time focusing on how it all began. Meanwhile, Oregon Governor Kate Brown has signed a sweeping tax package uh, set to raise a billion dollars a year for schools. The governor says in a tweet that this is a big day for our kids and their future. For businesses with this tax, perhaps not so much. Schools will be required to use the funds to decrease class size, boost student performance. Oregon has some of the largest class sizes and lowest graduation rates in the nation. The funding will be dependent on a half a percent tax on less than 10 percent of all businesses in the state. Republicans sought to block the package by refusing to show up to the Senate to vote. They ended a week-long walkout on Monday, at which point the measure was Swiftly approved. It's still possible the tax package could be sent to the voters for approval under the state's referendum process, and we'll certainly keep an eye focused on that. For those of you who uh, have uh, children watching PBS cartoons, want to give you a heads up: Arthur, which is a very popular uh, animated uh, program. Uh, is going to get married to his partner on the show, former White House aide Sebastian Gorka, uh, raged on his radio show on Thursday, and by the way, that's a Salem-affiliated program, over an episode of the PBS kids show, Arthur, titled Mr. Ratburn and the Special Someone. This is a war on our culture, he says, and that's why we exist here, referring to his program and the Salem Radio Network America First, uh, according to the Washington Post, which is the name of his program, not the Washington Post, but America First. Well, the premiere episode of Arthur on Monday featured cartoon aardvark Arthur's third grade teacher, Nigel Ratburn, getting married to an aardvark named Patrick, who sells uh, gourmet chocolates. My children used to watch Arthur 15 years ago about a rodent-like creature that lived and had fun in his cartoon world. The new season of Arthur will have one of Arthur's teachers at school, a male teacher married to a fellow male a male rodent, he said, according to The Hill. Civil society doesn't exist. Friendship doesn't exist. Family doesn't exist. Only permanent revolution, Gorka maintained, suggesting the show's plot addition was subversive by the left. The Washington Post also reported. Well, um, Gorka is, uh, again, a Salem radio host. He's also a former Fox News contributor, worked in the White House part of the year in 2017. Well, it's coming back. The Festival of Flowers is returning on the 22nd to Pioneer Courthouse Square. We'll tell you more about that when we turn return in just a few moments. But in partnership with Portland's own Walker um, Macy, Pioneer Courthouse Square is pleased to announce the return of the annual Festival of Flowers installation in Portland's living room. We'll tell you um, some of the details, times, dates, and all of the important things you'll need to know if you'd like to 
Look on. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show on a well, fairly fun Friday afternoon. Well, in partnership with Portland's own Walker Macy, Pioneer Courthouse Square is announcing the return of the annual Festival of Flowers. It's an installation in Portland's living room, the Pioneer Courthouse Square. This year's design, Paint the Town, comprised of some 24,000 flowers and plants, is a tribute to the 35th anniversary of Pioneer Courthouse Square and its transformative role within Portland's downtown plan. Well, during the 1970s, the city's living room was nothing more than a surface parking lot after a national design competition was held in 1980, the winning design team, composed of five talented Portlanders, took bold action and painted their winning design directly onto the parking lot uh, deck where the square stands today. Well, this um, community expression helped to show Portland what was uh, uh, that uninspired parking lot could be a vibrant, active, inclusive gathering place for people of Portland. The original design team saw Pioneer Courthouse Square for what it uh, could become and, well, what it is today. A symbol of a very special living room, walls designed by the changing elements of the city, the roof formed by the sky, the complete uh, to complete the design only when uh, occupied by urban families and residents of the metro area. Well, visitors are invited to experience an array of color with over 24,000 flowers on display in Portland's living room. Noontime programming will take place throughout the festival, including homage to the parking lot that once stood at that site. Live art installation with the painting of a 1979 Cadillac by Portland's local artist Larry Yass. In addition to the floral display at the square, uh, Paint the Town will continue along uh, the downtown transit mall in partnership with the Portland Mall Management with floral designs um, there as well. Upon completion of the floral flowers installation at the square, all plant material used in that design will be offered for sale to the public at the annual flower sale beginning at 8 p.m. That's not till June the 5th. But visitors will be able to choose from a wide variety of plants, including violas, marigolds, uh, coleus, lobelia, and more, starting at only $1 a piece, $10 for a dozen. So keep that in mind. It all starts on the 22nd, which I believe is um, Wednesday. Is that Wednesday? James says yes, so it must be true. Well, let's see. The next level of human technology is here, we're being told, quite literally, according to the leader of a company that leverages the power of artificial intelligence or AI to transform workplace behavior. People are morphing into machines even as we speak. Humans are going to become robots, says the CEO, um, predicting the future. Essentially, artificial intelligence is going to bring a lot of enhanced capabilities to us. Well, according to... um, Adi Love, who is that CEO, I quoted a moment ago, the new technology is making humans so much more productive. Well, maybe productive, but what else, one wonders. If you have a behave, let's see, behavox customer, uh, you've already um, have a cyborg in compliance. You're already a cyborg. You're able to process huge volumes of data using the software and identifying needles in a haystack. And if you are a sales trader or a trader using uh, the software, then you're able to do market making on a scale that is unmatched by humans. Well, later, um, or I should say last year, the World Economic um, Forum released the Future of Jobs report, which highlighted 
that automation will lead to the displacement of 75 million jobs, but also create 133 million jobs by 2022. It also, and that's, you know, not that far off. It also found that um, uh, by uh, the same time period, 42% of task hours will be performed by machines versus 58% by people. Uh, Adilov said he's seeing job growth spread from his company to customers. Um, I did think a lot about it because I thought, well, surely compliance um, people are going to lose their jobs. The funny thing is this whole thing is creating jobs, he says. Not only are we hiring people, but also our clients are hiring people because the capabilities that we bring and the capabilities that we unlock are completely new. In order to thrive in the new humanoid environment, young people should gear their education towards the skill of the future or skills of the future um, and they perceive that computer analytics and the ability to work with scripts is the way of the future. And a new research study suggests that human brains could be merged with technology significantly sooner than many expect within decades, known as the human brain cloud interface. I don't even like the sound of it. Researchers at the Institute for Molecular Manufacturing in California have suggested that nanorobots could be implanted into the human body and connect to a network in real time. These devices would navigate the human vascular system, cross the blood-brain barrier, and precisely auto-position themselves among or even within brain cells, the study senior author Robert Freitas Jr. said in a statement, they would then wirelessly transmit encoded information to and from a cloud-based supercomputer network for real-time brain state monitoring and data extraction. Now, who controls that human brain cloud interface nanobot? I will determine, I suppose, how you behave, what you think, what you think you know, and so on. The research was published in the scientific journal Frontiers of Neuroscience, First proposed by futurist um, Ray Kurzweil, who's also suggested that computers will be as smart as humans within a decade. The concept of the human brain cloud interface, or BCI as they call it, would potentially allow people to simply think of a question and be answered instantly, as opposed to looking for it in a research engine, similar to how information is received in the popular sci-fi Matrix movie series. Wow. Aside from obtaining direct instantaneous access to virtually any facet of cumulative human knowledge, there are other potential applications the researchers wrote in the study. These include the ability to improve education, intelligence, entertainment, traveling, as well as other interactive experiences. Now, James, who is not paying any attention to me as I'm waving my arms wildly, would you be interested in having this thing cross the blood-brain barrier and do the thinking for you. I'm not hearing you. Your lips are moving. I hear nothing. I am not in favor of anything that does any thinking for me, even though it appears on the surface that I'm not actually thinking myself. <laughs> I mean, this is just incredible to me. And my guess is people are going to just flock to have this done. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And then there's this. The idea of smart shopping could soon be taking on a whole new meaning thanks to a number of new experiments seeking to use artificial intelligence technology to enhance your shopping experience. AI has been helping you shop online for more than a decade now, and now it may start keeping an eye on you when you hit the stores in the real world as well. Of course, it's no secret that cameras of some sort have been watching us in retail stores for more than 50 years just to make sure we're not, you know, taking things without paying. But now these cameras have gotten, well, smarter, and they're being combined with artificial intelligence technology to see what it is we're shopping for and who we are. 
One of the main goals is to eventually be able to show shoppers rather targeted real-time advertisements on video screens placed throughout the store. In theory, the screens would activate automatically when they identify a shopper and their needs. For example, Mood Media recently showed off a so-called smart shelf. Uh, Its aim is to detect if you're happy or sad when you see a specific product. Cineplex Digital Media is also experimenting with shopping screens. Theirs gets even more personal. It can tell you um, if you have a beard or wear glasses and then show you um, razors or new frames, you know, because you're probably interested. But the biggest investor in AI shopping technology is America's biggest retailer, Walmart. They say their tests are geared around keeping an eye on inventory, not their customers. The technology is currently in the testing phase, being used to ensure that products you want are fresh when you reach for them on the shelf. The new system will also tell employees when to clean or restock the aisles. So the next time you're shopping, don't be surprised if you hear Siri calling for a cleanup on aisle 12 or maybe restock would be uh, the word. Now, my, uh, my understanding was fewer of us were actually going to be going to brick and mortar Uh, for our shopping, but apparently it's going to be a mixture of both, and AI is going to play a major role in all of it. You excited? Not, I mean, the the big brother aspect of it I'm not particularly excited about. I mean, certainly, you know, if I'm looking at a a box of spaghetti and there's a cheaper box of spaghetti and I don't know about a sale, it's kind of cool to know about it, but uh, I definitely uh, think uh, brick-and-mortar stores are still as much a part of our future as uh, we didn't think they were a couple of years ago. I know that uh, Amazon recently has... um, a lot of their food products that they offered by subscription that were particularly heavy and they would offer mm-hmm. um, on a subscription basis, they a lot of them they've gotten rid of because it was cost ineffective to ship the items. And I think that that's something with you know, your bags of dog food and whatnot. I think that you're going to have a problem with uh, even some of the big companies being able to absorb the uh, the postage costs or the shipping costs on those things. So, yeah, I think the stores are still going to be in our future. It's just incredible to me that we are becoming increasingly lazy. We don't, um, and I'm overgeneralizing for effect, but we don't want to think for ourselves. We don't have to want to have to learn anything. We don't want to have to retain anything. I mean, already, if your phone dies, you don't know how to call anybody. You don't know anybody's number. We don't know where anybody lives without, you know, being told how to get there. It's just an amazing thing that that's the direction we're moving toward. And for those of us who have had to think for ourselves, at least originally, um, it, it seems absurd, but for those who are coming up, this seems like a, a a paradise of simply floating through life without having to exert oneself, without thinking about the other side of how this could be corrupted in ways that um, you know previous generations could not have imagined unless they were watching some sci-fi flick. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, a lot of these you know a lot of these options and whatnot, as far as how they guide you through the stores and stuff, I I'm still not a crazy big fan of going to the stores and whatnot, but. Uh, you know, I certainly um, will use the technology available to me. A lot of times, with uh, whether it be with a piece of electronics or whatnot, I'll order it online to pick up at the store. Or we do that actually most times with our groceries, uh, which is we we found has actually cut down on our grocery bill quite a bit mm-hmm. as it cuts down on the impulse buys. Or especially if you're shopping hungry, if you're sticking to your list and putting that list together, we we actually find that we save. You know, twenty to fifty bucks a month on grocery shopping by not stepping inside the grocery store. On the other hand, if you're talking about a retailer who's you know selling clothing and they're presenting things you weren't thinking about that you might want to buy this, it may increase the impulse buying. So, I mean, there's a good side. There are benefits to certain aspects of this, but then there's definitely the potential for abuse and misuse that most people don't think about before they become dependent on it. It's just uh, fascinating. 
to watch. All right, we're going to take a break. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Back in a moment. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Now, we're doing something a little different in our second hour today. We're going to share with you The Christian Outlook. It's a program that's heard here on weekdays, and it's a compilation of interviews from stations all across the country, Salem stations, and I had the uh, the opportunity to host this week, as I, I often do, and we're going to share that uh, with you. Uh, this week on the program, and my notes that gave me that uh, specific information seem to have disappeared. I'll have to find that for you, uh, what's on the program this week, but I'll do that and share it with you. I, I have no idea where that went. Anyway, a Massachusetts man is uh, was arrested after he repeatedly called 911 while he was sitting in the back of a police vehicle. Apparently, he was concerned because he had been kidnapped by the police officers that were holding him against his will. So he called 911 to see if someone could come and rescue him. Well, needless to say, it didn't go quite the way he had hoped. Not a good idea, just saying. Although it does actually fit the profile of being kidnapped, so to speak. A California amputee was able to joke that he'd now lost two legs skydiving after authorities discovered a man's $15,000 prosthetic limb, which had uh, detached and tumbled to earth doing an otherwise successful Sunday skydive. Dion Calloway, who had his leg amputated after a skydiving accident two years earlier, told the Press Democrat that once he landed after a 10,000-foot plunge, he spent hours searching for the prosthesis to no avail. Well, he lost his uh, leg while skydiving um, the first time, and now the leg to replace that one was gone. I've jumped with the prosthetic before, but a rush of air got inside this time, and it just flew off, he said. I tried to watch where it was falling, but I was so overwhelmed that in that moment that I couldn't keep track. Well, the limb was eventually recovered at a nearby Cloverdale lumber yard. Micah Smith, the lumberyard's production manager, told the newspaper that a worker spotted the prosthesis but mistook it for a soda can. Apparently the foot sort of with the shoe on it sort of resembled the soda can. Oh, that's not a soda can. That's a leg, Smith recalled, thinking when he took uh, a little closer look at the object. It was a nice-looking Nike shoe. Well, that report brought out a deputy with the Sonoma County Sheriff's Office and authorities then set out to find the owner even posting a classified ad on social media, missing a leg? Well, the answer, at least for one guy, Callaway, was yes. The deputy eventually contacted people at a nearby airport in hopes of finding the leg's owner, and workers there quickly hooked the officials up with Callaway, whose leg was restored. And then call it a freak accident or pure bad luck, but an Arizona mother suffered more than 30 bee stings after a gust of wind, again, another gust of wind, blew a beehive off of a tree, causing it to land on her head. Ouch. Uh, The woman who was not identified told the um, uh, azfamily.com she was walking to an elementary school to pick up her son when the beehive fell on her head, walking up to the house, and with her her wonderful luck, the second she got uh, out of her car and walked under it, it fell on her head. Yes, it fell directly on my head. I heard it explode. Uh, The mother said that she was stung on her head, shoulders, arms, fingers. She rushed into her house to uh, take a Benadryl and shower uh, before being taken to a hospital to have her injuries checked out. I'm happy that I'm not allergic, she says. I'm glad it didn't happen to somebody who was uh, younger, that she was grateful that it happened to her rather than someone else. A nice attitude. Firefighters responded to the scene and sprayed the beehive with foam to get rid of the bees. No one else was injured in the incident. It's sort of sad that the bees... Had to be exterminated, but you get the idea. I'm going to a wedding later this evening, and I was intrigued by this headline. You can get a bridesmaid's dress for your dog because 
They should stand by you at the altar. Now, I don't have a dog. You all know why. But friends come and go, but your dog will be with you by your side until your death or until death do you part. That's why your furry best friend needs a custom bridesmaid's dress for your big day. Maybe you're not getting married for a while. Maybe you're not even engaged yet. Maybe you can't even get a text back. But why should that stop you from picturing your future wedding? No matter what kind of nuptials you want, uh, one day it should include your dog in a dress. Well, the handmade dresses come um, made in satin, poly cotton, netting by uh, Etsy creator The Posh Paws Company. You can order a dress to match your human bridesmaid's gown. Choose from cream, orange, pale pink, pale blue, navy blue, olive green, mustard yellow, dark gray, silver gray, plum brown, and ivory. The doggy bridesmaid dress comes in sizes ranging from extra, extra small to large. Extra, extra, of course, being for the rat-like chihuahua that will shiver his way or her way down the aisle. Prices range from $80.75 to $148.05 with an $8.75 charge for customized sizing if needed. The dresses feature a bow on the back and a matching satin bow headband to complete the look. I know it's almost too cute to handle. There's also a small hole by the neck so that you can see still easily use a leash on your bridesmaid. You can feel good about your purchase because the Etsy maker has an average of five out of five stars from 13 reviews. Buyers have posted photos of their dogs and other pet clothing from the shop, and they're likely they're liking what they see. Now that uh, we have our dog's bridesmaid dress ready to go, we're just waiting on that text back. I guess the big question is, what if you have a boy dog? Yeah. I, There's nothing about tuxedos I didn't see I there. I really don't know, but really... And, and, yeah, you know, the other thing is, what if you can't color coordinate right? That's the other question. Yeah, that's true. I suppose you could probably send your fabric to the designer, and she'd probably use your fabric. But really, dogs are everywhere. People see no line drawn uh, at which dogs should not cross or enter or mingle anyway. I guess, again, it's not all that surprising. By the way, coming up, we're going to share the Christian outlook. Among the interviews there, Don Crow is going to talk with Andreas uh, Thonhauser of Alliance Defending Freedom uh, their involvement in helping persecuted Christians in India. We'll hear from Kevin McCullough uh, and Bry- Byron York about the surveillance of uh, candidate Donald Trump and that uh, continuing investigation. Lee Michaels is going to join Sonny Hernandez of Reforming America Ministries, looking at what a faithful Christian witness looks like in today's culture. All of that on the Christian Outlook, heard regularly here on KPDQ Weekend. So give you just a little glimpse of what you might be missing. You can also download the uh, a Christian Outlook uh, app and um, hear the podcast or um, hear the program uh, anytime. So check that out. Also next week on the program, we're going to be talking with Bob Riken. He's vice president of Christian Mission Advancement and chaplain of Columbia Willamette YMCA. We're going to talk about how they're emphasizing the C in those uh, letters and the difference it's making in our community. On Wednesday, our Food for the Poor Radiothon. On Thursday, we'll talk with Sid Brestel, God in his own image, loving God for who he is, not who we want him to be. Uh, That's on Thursday. And then on Friday, we'll, I don't know, lighten things up once again. So looking forward to having uh, having a good week next week. Well, this good boy ended up costing his owner hundreds of dollars after literally eating the dough. Well, Ozzy is a nine year old labradoodle. He ended up having to be rushed to the vet on Monday after his owner in the United Kingdom discovered he had helped himself to an envelope full of cash that was pushed through the letterbox. Someone had owed uh, money 
and popped it through the letterbox. Um, that's how Ozzy the dog got hold of it. That's according to Judith Wright. After eating about um, 200 pounds, that's pound notes, I should say, worth about $200. Uh, these were eight 200-pound notes. Uh, Ozzy's owner took him for uh, from the house to the uh, vet uh, where they had to induce, I'm sorry to say it, but, you know, vomiting. It's been an experience, says Ozzy's owners. The group uh, posted a, uh, to Facebook on Monday along with a photo of the dog and the cash that had been regurgitated. Besides the money, Ozzy also tossed up a plastic money bag and clip. The entire incident ended up costing Ozzy's owners nearly $400. But the owner said the uh, couple may be able to claim some of the money back by taking the damaged cash to the Bank of England. We'll have to handle said regurgitated currency. You know the worst thing here? I can't. Uh, Ozzy is now not going to fit into the or, uh, bridesmaid dress they ordered <laughs> it's for him. entirely possible. Too much eating beforehand. Wow. Just too wow. much eating. Yeah. Okay, this is just strange. Residents of an historic Mississippi town have been left perplexed by the appearance of bowls of mashed potatoes appearing randomly in bizarre places outside their homes. Yes, you heard me correctly. Random bowls of mashed potatoes. Neighbors in the Bellhaven district of Jackson have been exchanging anecdotes of strange places they've found the spuds over the past week, with some finding the bowls on top of their car, others discovering them balancing on their letterboxes, and why the styrofoam containers of lumpy mashed potatoes are being left around the neighborhood remains a mystery, prompting a number of conspiracy theories. While many believe the gesture is just all part of a harmless prank, some fear the food may be poisoned and uh, placed on porches to harm neighborhood pets. But again, we're talking about on top of a mailbox, on top of a car. Pets don't typically spend time there. Mysterious bowls of mashed potatoes keep appearing in bizarre places outside the homes in this district. Um, uh, one Michaela Lynn discovered a bowl of mashed potatoes balanced on her mailbox outside her home this week, saying uh, some of the mashed potato finders have connections to a local private Christian university, which provides some clue. Some have even theorized on social media that a mashed potato maniac is on the loose and must be stopped. However, Bellhaven, rather, one of Jackson's oldest neighborhoods, is uh, no stranger to bizarre events. This neighborhood does a lot of quirky things, according to um, one neighbor. We decorate road signs. We put Christmas trees in our potholes. Uh, so it's not surprising at all. That's why I love this neighborhood, because they do so many strange things. But it's definitely one of the weirdest that uh, they've seen in the neighborhood. Well, Lewis said she found a cold bowl of mashed potatoes left on the bonnet of her car after posting about the curious discovery on um, Facebook, she discovered that she was not alone. They found it in mailboxes on other cars. So we don't know. Uh, so um, we don't know if someone is just playing a prank or if someone just has a lot of leftovers. Um, anyway, kind of an interesting prank that one hopes isn't repeated anytime soon, anywhere close. All right. We're going to take a break for news and traffic at the top of the hour. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Up next, The Christian Outlook. Thanks for listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. 
Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.